This podcast is developed by Bridge Bio to educate ourselves and the public about living with a rare disease. Since our guests aren't scripted and are free to speak their minds, their views and opinions don't necessarily reflect the views and policy of Bridge Biopharma. Now, we hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to On Rare, a rare disease podcast produced by Bridge Bio, a biotech company that focuses on developing treatments for rare diseases. We are delighted to have a conversation with Effie Parks. She is a rare disease mom and champion for the broader rare disease community. My name is Mandy Rorig, and I'm a member of the patient advocacy team, and I'm joined by my colleague, David Rintel, head of patient advocacy. Hi, David. Hi, Mandy. Nice to see you. And a little bit of a change of pace. We have another podcaster. So I met Effie, I think, last year at Global Genes. She really blew me away. And since then, I've listened to multiple episodes of her podcast, Once Upon a Gene. Effie was living her life. She gave birth to her son, and he eventually was diagnosed with a rare genetic syndrome called CTNNB1. She has an incredible story and just a lovely person. So really excited to talk to her. Yeah, that's incredible. This is part one of two podcasts. Part one is here in San Diego at the Global Genes Advocacy Summit. And part two, we'll catch up with Effie at a later date. Effie, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. David. Oh, it is just a delight to have you. And I uh, want our listeners to know that we're recording this at the Global Genes Meeting in San Diego. So you may hear some hubbub above our voices, and that's just people outside in the hallway talking. Global Genes is an incredible meeting, and uh, Effie has joined the staff of Global Genes. But first, I'd love to hear your story and your experience, starting before rare disease came into your life. Okay. Um, so I know from your podcast that you were the owner and operator of a small business in Seattle. Sure. Yes. Um, I say that I'm like the hairstylist now of the rare disease community because I still have all of my friends that come and tell me everything. Um, so yeah, there's a line out the door of people <laughs> hoping that you'll do their hair before their next presentation. And people are like, are you bringing your shoes? Mm, yes, <laughs> I'm carrying on, but I'll see you there. Uh, yeah. So I had a great little business down there and um started online dating because that's the only place you're going to meet a nerd. I'm pretty sure my husband had never been into a social environment that didn't have to do with Dungeons and Dragons. So I found him um, dating online and we fell in love the day we met and I knew I was going to be with him forever. So you met your husband, you have a, a salon, dedicated clientele. That's the first step. What happens next? Yes. Yeah, so Casey and I, you know, had a whirlwind romance and got married pretty quickly. Uh, we had a beautiful wedding in a bright, sunny spring day, which is so rare for Seattle. So it was just perfect. And we could not wait to start a family. It's, it's what both of us had always wanted. Um, I also come from a really large family. I'm one of 13 children. And so I've been around kids my whole life. I just wanted to grow that family like everyone else. You know, we had all these expectations and we had this idea of what it was going to be like. And we had everything planned out like one does. And I got pregnant with Ford. It was amazing. I was working in the salon. Uh, I got so swollen by the end of the day that I was literally the barefoot hairstylist. Um, so I was pregnant with Ford and my feet would get so swollen. So 
Um, I worked up until the day he was, the day I was induced. So he came to work with me every day. Yeah. So he was well-trained in uh, hairstyling as well. In utero, that's always useful. And he came out as bald as could be. He didn't have hair for a while. Children always need to challenge their parents. So uh, Ford was born. Yeah. So I was at my very last appointment. Uh, He was due in two days and our midwife looked at me from the computer and her face went white and she said, we have to induce you today. And I was like, "What, girl, what are you talking about? Like, I feel great. And she was like, you're coming back in tonight. We're inducing you or your baby could die. So I was really shocked. I didn't have any complications. I didn't know that anything that was weird during my pregnancy, uh, they had just said, your baby is small, but you're small. So that's totally normal. (laughs) And then I found out later that IUGR, which is interuteral growth restriction, is a serious thing. And Mm -hmm. it's not just a small baby. Mm -hmm. So it kind of happened all really fast. And everyone kind of blew it off and they said it was not alarming. But Mm -hmm. there was definitely an air in the room of somebody knew something that we didn't. And it wasn't until later that you found out what she knew, and it was interuterine growth restriction. Yeah, so lots of those babies are born really small. Um, Uh That's what that means. Mm -hmm. So right away, we couldn't feed Ford. Ford wasn't swallowing. He wasn't Mm -hmm. latching. We were trying all the things. Mm -hmm. I knew there was something wrong. Like, I knew there was something wrong. I knew how to take care of a baby. I could take care of a baby with my hands tied behind my back, and I knew something was wrong. Um, They sent us home anyway, and they said that I would figure it out. Mm -hmm. I was a new mom and my husband and I were luckily home together for Mm -hmm. those first few months. And we kept going to the doctor about twice a week saying, we can't feed him. He won't eat. We can't feed him. We were spending tons of money on all these different kinds of adapters that they help you feed babies with and nothing was working. Mm -hmm. Um, And finally, after two appointments a week for almost four months, my pediatrician looked at me and she said, I'm really worried about Ford. Mm-hmm. I've called Seattle Children's and you need to bring him there. Uh, so that was kind of the onslaught of finally people going, we hear you. Yes, something's wrong with Ford. And it took four months, but you really, you knew babies. You knew that something was wrong and you, you're a mom. You had that feeling. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's just like, that was kind of the beginning of all of the quips that you get in appointments, right? Like you're mm-hmm. just a new mom. You're yeah, worried. Yeah. You're tired. So that was kind of the beginning of those things that yeah. families hear. And then they doubt themselves and they don't know that they can push back. So Effie, you have this appointment with the midwife. It's supposed to be a routine appointment. She's looking at her computer and says, oh, we need to induce tonight. Scary. And um, how far along in in the pregnancy with Ford were you at that moment? Yeah, so it was my very last appointment, meaning he was due two days later. Oh, I see. So I went in that night for Mm -hmm. uh, the induction and he was actually born on his due date on June 30th. I see. I just have to comment that our hopes and dreams are for a child who's healthy and who starts to feed really well and who does everything well. And it's really a shock when things aren't happening as expected. So including needing to be induced at the last minute. Yeah. You are reporting to the pediatrician for four entire months that Ford is having difficulty feeding and other challenges. And it took four months until the pediatrician said, let's look into this further. Yeah, it took four months and I will give her credit. She came to the hospital. Ford was uh, inpatient for about a week at Seattle Children's after that. And she showed up after work and life one night really late to see him and she apologized. I did get a new pediatrician, of course, but I appreciate that she did make that effort and realized she made an error. So what did you learn about Ford during that hospitalization? 
that is when I just started hearing words that I had never heard before. Um, and it was just like normal. Like everyone that looked at him in Seattle Children was like, oh yeah, that's hypotonia. That's dystonia. He has microcephaly. You know, they started saying all these words that nobody had said. And they did it just by looking at him. So I just already had seen like the difference in knowledge of people who see sick kids and people who don't. Um, so I was Googling, right? Like I remember them saying microcephaly and I was like, I went to Miami. Did I get bit by a mosquito? Does he have like, did I do that? So yeah, you just start to hear all of these medical terms and nobody's really explaining it to you because they're doing their rounds, right? They're busy and you're trying to catch up as much as possible. So it's a really crash landing. It's a, it's yeah. a crash landing for families. Yeah. And the change of language is really remarkable. And they use the words like dystonia, microcephaly all the time. But of course, you've never really heard those terms and certainly not referred to your family four months old. No. no. Not to be really. Yeah. Something. Seattle's definitely getting a lot better, but I, I think there needs to be like a new parent buddy system almost, right? Like, yeah. hey, this is your first time here and you have a sick kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to sit down and do you have any questions? You know, like there needs to be that moment where mm-hmm. a doctor can literally take two minutes and you feel seen and you feel safe yeah. um, rather than just the shock of it all. Like the human connection between your medical profession and the family is so vital and it's so important. Yeah. I could just see that healthcare providers sitting down and saying, you're hearing a lot of terms about your baby that are new to you. Exactly. And- I understand that this is difficult and we'll see you through or even we'll connect you to another family who's had this experience. Yeah. And I think that's just the, that's the effect of rare disease, right? Um, Like I think if I would have showed up and Ford had cancer, I would have had an entire team taking care of my family. Um, There would have been a gift basket in the room probably, you know, because they know what they're doing. There's coordinated care. They Mm -hmm. have a plan. But when you show up with a rare disease, Mm -hmm. what are you going to do? Yeah. And they're in the process of sorting it out scientifically. Also, it can take an awful long time to come up with a diagnosis. And until then, families are feeling around in the dark. Yeah. And some of them wait a long time. Yeah. The average time that someone's finally getting their answer is about seven years. Seven years. So how is it with you and Ford? We got lucky, right? Uh, thank goodness we were at Seattle Children's. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of amazing people there. And they fielded us to a geneticist immediately. So someone was like, this kid has something genetic going on and he has to get tested. So we went and saw a geneticist and she looked at Ford and she said, he has HPS, I'm sure of it, but we have to get a genetic test to check. HPS. So she told us that Ford had a fatal form of albinism, not the other kind of albinism. Mm-hmm. So... We got our blood draws, we got a whole exome sequence, and for many months we thought Ford was going to eventually die from not getting a lung transplant by the time he was 30. And then covering him and buying really expensive UV clothing, and it was wild. Um, And then she called us and we had our appointment and she said, it's not what I thought it was. It's something called CTNNB1. He's the 30th patient in the world. He'll never be able to talk. He'll never be able to walk and he'll be severely mentally affected and you should go get some therapy. I'm just, I have to take pause to put myself in your shoes and your husband's shoes to hear hear that. So as you had never heard of CTNNB1 and I hadn't before I listened to your podcast in a few words just make sure we know 
what sure, his yeah. condition is. Yep, it's a neurodevelopmental disorder. Uh, so Ford is not creating enough of a protein called beta-catenin, uh, which is in charge of a lot of things. It's it's binding our cells together. It's how they reproduce. It's how they grow. It's the cell health. It literally affects every aspect of his body. Um, so without enough of that protein, it affects everything, right? They're typically physically disabled. They have intellectual disability. Some of them have seizures. Uh, they have movement disorders, eating disorders, eye disorders. It affects everything. Uh, yeah. Luckily, we're not a neurodegenerative disorder. So mm-hmm. I think that's the first thing every parent goes yeah. to look for. Yeah. Um, they're also the cutest kids. Speaking of the <laughs> albinism comment, they all have this white hair and uh-huh. this white skin and yeah. they all look like siblings. Yeah. Really? Wow. Everyone's rare disease kid just has this like magical air about them and they change people, right? They change people and how they show up. And it's just something really special about these kids. They make people slow down. Yeah. So one thing about Ford, who's now five, right? Seven. Seven. Oh, wow. I know. Um, He has, in addition to being beautiful, he has an infectious laugh. And at the end of every Once Upon a Gene podcast, which I will try to mention as often as possible (laughs) on this podcast, uh, is a recording of Ford's infectious laughter. It is, I feel like if I could make that a ringtone on my phone, I would do it because it just, it, it makes you feel good. And he just seems like a really happy little boy. It is an epic world famous laughter and I challenge anyone to not at least crack a smile when you're listening to that. And it is just a reminder, right? After the heavy conversations that we're having, after the serious stuff we talk about on the podcast, that there's also like this really, really bright spot. Yeah, I love that. And the challenge has been raised you know, to find another laugher as infectious. As yes, yes. I doubt that we'll Taking find submissions. someone, but you know, send your, send your recordings <laughs> to Ethne. Totally. So just going to remind us that we start out that you have a salon, you dreamed of having babies, you meet a wonderful husband, you have a baby, turns out differently than you expected. He's diagnosed with this extremely rare condition, told that there are 30 people in the world that have CTNNB1. I'd like to know the next step in your development as a rare disease advocate as an advocate for parents of kids with very rare diseases. So how did that get started for you? Wow. Well, there was definitely a period where we were just grasping, right? And trying to figure out what was happening and had a million appointments every single day. And I feel like that time just went, a lot of it, we don't even remember. Yeah. But yeah, so there just came this time where I was like, I'm going to be doing this forever. This is our life and I can't do it like this. I need to find my people. Mm -hmm. I need to connect with others because I'm getting further and further apart from the people in my life and how they're living their life and what their kids are doing. And it is not connecting with me and it's making me not join in social environments. It's making me not go to kids' birthday parties. Like I didn't recognize myself because like I love people and like they fill me up and I just... I realized that this was going to be our life and I had to figure it out and I had to find people who understood because even the people who are helping you, nobody knows what it's like, right? Right. Nobody knows what it's like unless you're in that house 24 hours a day doing this job. So I started just like feverishly, like looking for people who were talking about stuff, buying books that had keywords and I wasn't liking really any of it. As a parent, you're in the car all the time, right? Driving to and from appointments or you're on a walk um, or whatever, or you're in a waiting room. And then I found 
Sean and Kyle from the Two Disabled Dudes podcast. (laughs) And those dorks were laughing and making fun of each other. They both live with Friedrich's ataxia and they had this podcast and they were talking about rare disease. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it's them. They're my people. Like I didn't know I was a part of the rare disease community and still until I started listening to them. And in fact, they were talking about the global gene summit that they were about to attend. And I was like, Oh man, it's August. I can't go to San Diego in <laughs> 30 days. I'm too busy with Ford. But I said, I'm going to go to that. Someday. Yeah, yeah. And so I emailed John and Kyle and I was like, Oh, Hey guys, you're my best friends. You've been in my ear now for about a month. You're out of episodes by the way. So I'd like you to keep recording because you just saved me. Like I just found what I need to do. I realized that podcasting was that perfect medium for rare disease parents and they could have that friendship without having to commit to any sort of giving of themselves. Yeah. And you um, heard that they were going to be speaking global genes, right? Yeah. So they were yammering on about this global genes event and I Uh still didn't know global genes existed because nobody really told me what was Mm -hmm. going on with Ford. I didn't even know I was a member of the rare disease mm-hmm. community. And so I was like, I'm going to go to Global Genes someday. And I've been ever since, okay? I'm yeah. here. Uh, yeah. I work for this amazing org. But yeah, they changed my life and they made me realize that I needed to tell my story yeah. and that I needed to be there for others mm-hmm. to find. You know, um, I try not to say too much, but I have two things to say. One is, is that we often land up providing what we didn't receive ourselves. Exactly. But often we recognize the need because we experience the need and then we look for someone to fill it and then you realize, well, that's going to be me. And that's mm-hmm. what happened to you, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, the other thing I wanted to just point out is what happens to friendships. We're taught, you know, someone sprains their ankle or breaks their leg. You bring them a lasagna and you say, call me if you need anything. And, you know, the leg gets better and you resume normal life. But with a rare disease, any long-term condition, it doesn't go away. There's no getting better and people kind of drop off the map. Am I right? Uh, you definitely find out who stays and who goes and you make your own family, right? Mm-hmm. You find those people through that medium and the most unexpected people also end up showing up in your life. So it all evens out in the end and yeah. you get just like the shiniest, brightest gems. Yeah. But yeah, you realize pretty quick that some people have the ability and the Mm -hmm. capacity to sit with you in that and to figure out how they can contribute. Other ones disappear. Yeah. And the other thing that happens, and I know this happened to you from like episode two of Once Upon a Gene, is that you take your child to gatherings of your friends who have children the same age. And as time goes on, the difference in development between your child and the children of your friends grows and grows. And it's painful. It's extremely painful. And I actually had six girlfriends who had babies within like six weeks of me. So we were all going to raise our kids together. That did not happen. It was obvious within months, you know, how quickly babies progress when they're on track. And so I remember vividly this moment uh, where my friend sent me a snapshot of her baby that was a week younger than Ford sitting in a bumbo chair and she had food on her face. And I was like, oh, I have one of those bumbo chairs. I forgot. Of course, I've never pulled it out. Maybe Ford could sit in that. And I pulled the bumbo chair out and I put Ford in him and I'm completely slumped out of it. And I was like, oh, we're not the same. Yeah. So you came to Global Genes and you heard, I was at that meeting and with the two disabled dudes (laughs) and, you know, they're like, they spend a lot of time talking to each other. They're really enjoying their conversation. Yeah, they're best Um, friends. Even before they get to any guests (laughs) or any topic. And they taught you that a podcast was a way to pull a community together. 
they didn't teach me anything. I just called them and said, I love you. <laughs> Thank you for saving me. I know what to do now. And I'm so happy you're here. So a podcast came out called Hospital Hair Don't Care. And Daniel DeFabio, mm-hmm. whom I'm sure many of you know, was in the hospital with his son, Lucas. He was listening to that episode in the middle of the night. He Googled podcasts, rare disease, and he found me. Mm-hmm. And I got a message. I was out Christmas shopping and this guy messaged me and he said, hi, can I call you? And I was like, why not? And he called me and I was in a store shopping and he just started telling me a story. And so I went and I sat down on this big comfy chair in a store and he told me all about Lucas and that all he wanted to do was bring him home for Christmas. And we became best friends uh, basically from that phone call. It was transformational. The other thing to know about Daniel DeFabio is he's a producer and an artist, and he's been involved on The Closer and Curb Your Enthusiasm. So yeah, he's, he's multi-talented. a multi-talented, down-to-earth, uh, really nice guy. And and Daniel's son, Lucas, had Menke's disease, um, and Daniel is here at Global Genes. He also started as a rare parent. Um, he uh, initiated the Rare Film Festival and now the Rare Channel, and he's now a full-time advocate, yep. just like you, Effie. Daniel is the one that really brought me into the rare disease community and let me know that I was a member and I belonged here because I thought Ford just had CT and ND1 and nobody cared and we had to go home and love our kid. But I didn't realize that there was a great big world and that was also part of the podcast, right? It was like, now this beacon of like, I'm Effie, I'm here, I'm here. I love listening to Effie. I am incredibly inspired by her story where she went from feeling isolated and helpless and uncertain to this incredible leader and really growing and developing a community, not just for herself, but also for other parents who also needed that feeling of connection. Mandy, one of the challenges for families uh, living with CTN and B1 is the fact that it's so rare, uh, not well understood, there's no treatment available, and there are challenges building a community with such a rare disorder. But I think what really moved me most was that she's listening to a podcast from the two disabled dudes, and then she contacts them saying, you're my new best friends, because she finally found people who understood what her experience is. And then she's in the same position as the two disabled dudes as she hears from Dan DeFabio. He's sitting in the hospital, and he's just listened to her podcast, and uh, he reaches out to Effie, and Effie calls him, I don't know, midnight or whatever, and they connect because Dan is the dad of a little boy with Minky's syndrome and has you know, very similar experiences being the parent of a child with a very rare condition. And the take-home message here is that podcasts can bring people together. Podcasts build community. Could be really the beginning of a long connection, of a lifelong connection. Agreed. And the connections continue in part two of this podcast. In the meantime, I would really encourage you to listen to Once Upon a Gene, check out Two Disabled Dudes podcast. And if you want to learn more about CTNNB1, please check out CTNNB1foundation.org. You can also check out Global Genes at globalgenes.org. At On Rare, we also hope to bring people together as a community. So please write us at onrare at bridgebio.com. A very special thanks to our producer, Amy Brooks. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe. I hope you'll join us for our next conversation on Rare.